things he's calling me not to do, the only reason I can make those things happen is not because I'm gifted or my strength, but it's because of God's strength and his power and his goodness flowing through me. That's his ultimate responsibility. He has come to empower me. He's come to empower us. That's the foundation. Which then comes into now moving into chapter 4. Chapter 4. After laying this foundation, Paul turns the page in chapter 4, and he moves from talk, doctrine, right belief, to walk. Specifically in verse 1 of Ephesians 4, it says, all right, Paul comes as as a prisoner of the Lord, so I belong to him. I belong to Jesus, and I'm speaking on his behalf. As a prisoner of the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. In fact, it's interesting to note in both the ESV, the English Standard Version, the New American Standard Version, NAS, it says to walk in a manner worthy of the calling that you have received. He literally is coming and talking about the walk, the idea of walk, this idea of living. It speaks to actually expressing with our life what we say with our mouth. Right? He literally saying you have this right doctrine, you have an understanding of right belief, but we recognize it's not just enough to have it here in the head. You have to actually express it. We know people like this in the church. We call them hypocrites. Do you know anybody who has a hard time with church because of hypocrisy? Because of people who can talk the talk and get the first three chapters, but can't express the walk. They can't live the life worthy of the calling they've received in Christ. The idea of walk, it speaks to actually expressing with our life what we say with our mouth, what we believe with our mind. We walk the talk, right? We can bowl as well as have the shoes and the ball. Seriously. We back up with our lifestyle what we say that we believe. Our right belief. Listen, our right belief gives way to right action. It's important to note that verse 1 is literally a hinge verse. It's like the hinge on a door. It acts as the turning of the page. So imagine you're on one side of the door and it's chapters 1 through 3. Now it's time to go into chapters 4 through 6. And so verse 1 is like the door on a hinge that then opens up and we walk into for the next thoughts. And that primary word, the primary word that informs the upcoming chapters is the word worthy. So it's this hinge verse that comes and say, all right, now we have this. Let's talk about what it means to live a life worthy. This one word speaks volumes about the expectation and responsibility that we have to walk our talk. The word worthy is taken from the Greek word axios. It's on the screen. You can see this idea. The word worthy. Is it up there? Do you have it, Daniel? There we go. Thank you. The word worthy is taken from the Greek word axios, which means to weigh. Strictly speaking, it means bringing up the other beam of the scales. Speaking, it means bringing up the other beams of the scales. Live a life worthy, right? Take the scale and bring up the other side. We've all seen a balanced scale, right? Do we have that picture? Did you get that, Daniel? I'll put it in the email. Did you get that? Oh, it's in the email that I sent you. 
Okay, you all know what a balance scale, I should have reminded you. You know that balance scale, you know what it looks like. Those ones like the justice scale. You have a battle, you have a scale, right? And so the idea is that they're equal right here. And so on verses chapters one through three takes the scale and does this, right? So we have the right thinking, we have the right doctrine, we have the right belief, but the word axios, the word worthy speaks to now, all right, in the context of your life, thank you, in the context of your life, we take the balance of the scale and we don't do this, right, bringing all about our doing and anything, but we take and say, all right, we have these beliefs, now our actions will balance out the worthy, they will balance out the scale with right belief and with right actions. The word axios, literally bringing up the other beam of the scales, right? We've all seen them. We all understand this. The balance scale is designed to help determine the equal weight of two different objects. If they are not equal, what happens? The heavier side will drop lower and show the inequality of weight. In Ephesians, we have two sides of a scale represented. We have two sides of a scale presented on one side. We have the talk. We have the right thinking, the right belief. We have the right doctrine here in verse one. Paul is making it clear that in our lives, we must bring up the other side of the scale by right action, a doing that keeps in line with our belief. What you could simply say is this chapter one through three is about the responsibility of God to empower us. But it doesn't make us devoid of our own responsibility. We have responsibility with how we live and how we express. Like, it would be silly to say, well, like, it'd be silly to say, God, only God has responsibility. I don't have responsibility. No, we all recognize we have responsibility with the life that we live and the actions that we express and the words that we say. We're held responsible for those, aren't we? And so, the other side here talks about raising by right action, the other side of the scale that keeps in line with our belief. David DeSilva, he's a New Testament theologian whose book I, I, you know, I love. It was one of my, my intro to New Testament classes. But he said this about these verses and this word. says, theology. Theology is always transformative in the New Testament. It's not just merely speculative. Right? It's transforming. It's not just about the mind. That's why Paul uses the language of walking, speaking about walking out what they say they believe. His attention to practical detail in this letter serves as an eloquent reminder to the church that the Christian confession is less a matter of lips and more a matter of legs. I love that phrase. It is less a matter of lips and more a matter of legs. It is faith in action. It's the whole reason that James wrote his book, his letter. Faith without works is dead. Faith without action is dead. There has to be this marriage, right? It's not just a matter of lips. It's a matter of legs. In the context of the life that we live, it's not just a matter of having right thought in my head. I can think all the right thoughts every day, anything in life. I mean, those of you think about those who were in construction. What if you had someone who worked for you, who understood the ideology of how to hammer a nail? They could, like, teach it to you, talk to you about it. They could talk about hammering a nail all day long. But then you put a hammer in their hand and give them a nail, and they're like, you just couldn't handle that. They'd have to have here with the action, the ability to do it. 
And so here, like, right, it's a faith in action. It's lips and legs. Therefore, foundation one. This is foundation number one. You can write this down. Think about this. Process this. This is foundation number one we're diving into as it relates to Ephesians chapter four. It's this. We have to live a life worthy. That's foundation one. We're called foundation number one. And everything else we read to chapter four, chapter five, and chapter six is all about living a life worthy. We're going to be reading all sorts of things. Listen. If you've read it, you know there are a long list of things that Paul is calling the church to do. And there's a long list of things that Paul is calling the church not to do. There are all sorts of lists about these things. He gets to the very end. And they, and the, the to-do of putting on the spiritual armor, right? There's all these to-dos and not-to-dos. And so in this, this idea of, of our faith in action, the matter of our legs, right, not just a matter of lips, but of legs, faith in actions, we have to walk the talk. The story of Betty walking the talk, and I can't wait for her to hear the story and, like, give me a hard time about it. It's going to be fantastic, right? But she couldn't walk the talk, and she had, she'd have bowled at least a, a 248. She'd have walked the talk and beat me, right? She would have. There would have been those pieces, so this in mind, here are a few keys to keep in mind when processing this word worthy. And I want you to think about this. We just press pause because we live in a world. And, I, and the reason we're going to dive into the word worthy for a minute is because I start talking like this and you think, oh, my gosh, I have to earn God's favor. I have to earn my salvation to make God happy. I have to do or to not do right things. And that's not all we're talking about. But we are saying that our actions and our life, well, they better match what we say we believe. Because that's what it means to be a Christ follower. What if Jesus had been preaching all this stuff, but had been getting drunk with all his friends and actually sleeping with those prostitutes? Would we have said his actions were in keeping with his, his words? No. It's important how we're living our life and the things that we're doing. And so here's some things that the word worthy that we have to let soak in. Number one, it's on the screen. Worthy is not about proving ourselves or earning something. Living, Listen, worthy is not about proving ourselves. It's not about earning something. I'm not trying to prove my worth or, my gain, or gain value in the eyes of God. Instead, it is speaking about intention. Or motivation where we can say confidently in the same way God has given his all in response as an act of love. I, in turn, am giving my all. That's the nature of worthy. This is Jesus gave all. I want I'm going to I'm going to validate that. It says I'm going to now live with my all. Right. Jesus gave something of incredible worth and value in his his life. I, in turn, will give something of worth and of value back to him. I'm giving him my life. I'm not trying to prove anything. I'm not trying to earn anything. I'm just going to match with my, with my actions in the same way that Jesus did with his words. It's going to be something of value, something of worth. My life is actually going to matter and count for something. It's going to have value and worth. The second thing, worthy is dependent. Hear this. This is, this is where we'll get messed up in chapter 4 through 6. Worthy is dependent on chapters 1 through 3. Worthy is dependent upon chapters 1 through 3. Most people love to sit down with their youth group. I grew up in a youth group of do's and don'ts. 
Our group in a youth group says, man, to be a Christian, it means you don't smoke, you don't drink, you don't listen to rock and roll, right? And don't sleep with anybody. That's, what, that's about the extent of being a good Christian. It was defined by what I didn't do, <laughs> right? That's not what it's talking about here. It's talking this idea of saying one through three. It's like, all right, I have God, I have Jesus in me through my salvation, His grace has been poured out, his blessing. He has now empowered me to live the life that I'm living. So I am now in his strength, have the power to do the things he's calling me to do. If I'm going to walk the talk today, it's not because I buckle down and make things happen in my own strength. It's because I relinquish, I release myself to God's spirit and say, God, empower me today because I'm tempted to do these things. And God, you have given me your grace and your strength to not fall. So God, I lean into you with the things that I'm doing and not doing. The only way I can be successful today in chapters 4 through 6 is that I just continue to look back and thank you for your salvation. Thank you for the gift of your spirit. Your doing or not doing always makes you run to Jesus. It makes you run to chapters 1 through 3. It makes you lean into him at all times. The second thing of worthy, it speaks to intentionality on our part. Paul says, I urge you. That's really important language. I urge you. He's coming and he's, and you know what it means. If I said, I, listen, I just want to urge you today to do something. You recognize in that moment there's a choice. There's a choice in that. There's a choice that comes from the word urge, where we have, saying, I want to urge you, you've got to make this choice, this intentionality. We have to choose the life that we're going to live. Belief must always give way to behavior. Belief must always give way to behavior. Worthy speaks to intentionality. Us surrendering, giving ourselves to Jesus, turning ourselves to his strength, his power, and his grace in our lives. The fourth thing about worthy It's spoken in light of our relationship with others. Living a life worthy in the context of our relationship with others. Paul continues his expression of a worthy life in verses 2 through 3. It's up here on the screen. He says this, be completely so. He comes back and says, live a life worthy or walk in a manner worthy of the calling of Christ. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient. Bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Isn't it interesting that he puts this action, this hinge verse, this life worthy, not just me before Jesus, but how I'm expressing life among other people. He's like, live a life worthy in the context. And so he says, so in that, it looks like this, by being patient and humble. These are all expressions expressed in relationship with people that I'm around. How do I live a life worthy? Well, it's in the context, obviously, with Jesus, but primarily in relationship here where you are pursuing and going after unity. We'll look at this more next week, but suffice to say this morning, our walk is, yes, about how we love God, but here it's expressed about how we love others. It's how we love others. Like, I'll just say this, for those of you in the business world. There is no such thing as a business decision. Every decision you make, like, you can't say, well, that's just a business decision. There's nothing biblical about that. Every business decision is a kingdom decision. 
that affects real people in real lives. I recognize sometimes you have to make difficult decisions in business. And they hurt one person while it helps others. I get that. Like, you got to decide between two people for a job. Like, I recognize I've got to make a decision. But that doesn't mean, but even in that, there's a level of grace, right? Because it's ultimately a kingdom decision that's negatively impacting somebody else. So in this point, like, I'm getting it's like, in the context even of every decision that we're making, the, the steps that we're taking, it's all in the context of living a life worthy by being patient and humble and bearing with one another in love. Because I am going after unity with every single person I'm in relationship with here and honestly outside of the church also. I'm expressing Jesus. Jesus never said, hey, I'm just going to have unity with people inside the body and I'm going to live and express disunity with everybody else because they don't really matter. I don't see that. I see him giving the best of himself for every single person he ever met in his relationship with. He challenged them because they were expressing disunity, and he was challenging with the hopes of bringing unity and salvation. Worthy is spoken in light of our relationship with others. This speaks to our second foundation that we're going to dive into next week, so not this week. But the second foundation is a unity of the Spirit. Right? Live a life worthy, foundation number one. Right? Walk the talk. The second is... As we pursue unity, as we pursue our place in the body, as we build the body of Christ. Two foundations. Live a life worthy and now unity of the Spirit. Understanding very simply that our need for togetherness. Understanding our need for togetherness. That we are stronger together than we are apart. We are stronger together than we are apart. So for us this morning... This is the beginning. What I'm asking you to do this week is I would, I would love to invite you. I would invite you to do this. Just read the whole, whole, read Paul's whole letter this week. It's so short you can read it every day. Read chapters 1 through 6 every day this week. Or at least commit to read chapters 1 through 6 sometime throughout the week. Right? And let this meta narrative, this big picture story, it's broken into sections. Right? Here, here, press pause real quick. I know some of you like to read and like to dive deep into one single verse and break down the Greek syntax and all that kind of stuff. To be honest with you, when you do that, you actually miss sometimes the big picture of the story. Just read his whole letter like they did in the church. They didn't sit there and then break down every verse like we're doing this morning. That would have been awkward. No, they literally just sat there and read the entire letter. Just read it from beginning to end. And without trying to dive into what was Paul really meaning there? And what was the whole really, what was that Greek? Well, now there's some different words there you could use. No, he just read from beginning to end. Why? Because there's something about reading a letter from beginning to end that puts everything together, gives you a great clarity and picture. It's still okay and fine sometimes to dive deep into what I'm getting at, but read the whole thing and just read it and allow this big picture stuff. One through three is about the talk. Four through six is about the walk. The worthy in the middle talks about this, the scale, and seeing both sides of that. And then here's the point. I don't read the Bible so I can figure out what it means. I read the Bible so it can speak to me about what God wants to do in my life. So as you read this week, let God speak to you about what he wants to do in you. What does he want to do in the context of your walk and your talk? 
What does he want to do about reminding you or maybe awakening you to his grace? Reminding you of your salvation in Christ. The work of God's grace. The work of his empowerment. Do you believe you're actually empowered? Do you live every day believing verse 20 and 21 that you were actually empowered? That he can actually do even greater things than you would ever imagine because of his spirit in you? Do you believe that? And do you believe then and you have a responsibility in the way that you're living in these lists of things? Is this a gauge to see, man, how am I doing? Is my life actually measuring up to the things that I say I believe? This is really helpful. I don't know about you, but I like performance reviews. I like to know if if my actions are measuring up in a sense. That's what we see. It helps God can speak in these moments and bring clarity. And so let's do this. We invite the worship team, whoever's leading worship this morning. We're done this morning for my part. And all I'm going to ask you to do this morning is I just want you to take some time before Jesus, whether it's just in worship, you want to pray. And let's just allow God to begin to stir in us. This idea of the walk and the talk. Understand, do I really believe in the power and grace of Jesus in every area of my life? Do I literally believe he's in control and he's the Lord? Do I really believe I don't have to earn his salvation or earn his love, earn his affection? I don't have to prove anything to him to make him know that I really am for him. Do you believe that? Do you have that as a foundation of your life? Or is your doing more about trying to prove something, trying to prove your worth? And God wants to wreck that in you this morning. Maybe for some of you, it's like you have the right thinking, but you recognize, my gosh, I am walking in a way that's not keeping with what I say. I believe, God, would you convict me this morning? Would you allow your words in Ephesians 4, 3, 6 to challenge and convict me of the life that I'm living, God? Because I don't want to be hypocritical. Jesus, would you save me from myself? This morning, I just invite you just to be with the Lord. We're going to have to take time to obviously have offering baskets and little box right there. This is in worship, communion available this morning. And then we'll have ministry teams on both sides. And here's the deal. This wasn't some like impassioned like message this morning. We were like, oh my gosh. And you get the feels on. Like, I can just feel Jesus. That may be you. But, but this is a deep work of God coming and speaking in the moment. Saying, all right, I love this. I want to move in you. So allow him to speak this morning, to to challenge and to speak and to change and to move. So Jesus, this morning again, we're praying for movement. We declare, God, we can't move. Only you can move. Only you can move mountains. We can't, God. Only you can And so I'm asking Jesus that you would lay us, bring us to the foundation, and lay us on the foundation of your grace, your salvation, your power, and your goodness. We would rest in confidence in your love and your affection for us. And that, God, you would then move us to the understanding of living a life worthy, and we'd actually be honest this morning about it. And we ask this morning for movement in Jesus' name, that you would shift us, you would change our heart, that we'd be those, God, who just... You would say about us confidently. They're walking the talk, and I love it. Thank you, Jesus. We pray this in your name. Amen. I invite you to respond as the Lord leads this morning. We're in no rush. So just for the Lord this morning, allow him to do his thing. I'll come back up here in a few minutes and pray us out that you respond as the Lord leads.
about so as you go through it you'll have a really clear understanding of what paul's trying to get at and the message he's trying to teach so that it can change uh, your life and change our lives together but i want to start uh this morning by telling a story and i'm going to tell a story of my stepmom betty now my dad is here this is terry hamburg raise your hand terry this is terry right my dad's great, uh, but my, you know, my mom passed away when I was 23, and so my dad got remarried when I was 25 to Betty. And now Betty is, Betty's amazing, right? She's a, she's the, she's the life of the party. She's way more fun than my dad. And so, um, it's, a, and it's true, right, dad? It's true. Yeah, exactly. Amen. So, so in that, she's a lot of the party. She's a great grandma. She's a great mom. She's just a lot of fun. I mean, she's ever how old she is, but I mean, she acts like she's like 18, right? All the time. So if you were around her, you would love Betty. And so we love Betty. But while they were dating, uh, I had like this is thing like, I want, I need to get to know Betty. And so I heard that she played golf and, and, and I play golf. So I said to her, Hey, let's get together. I love to just hang out just the two of us. And we can play golf. Now, here's the deal. I'm not a good golfer, but I'm not a bad golfer either. A lot of you can understand that. Like, I'm not a good golfer, but I'm not a bad golfer. So I thought to myself, hey, let's get together. Let's play some golf that we both enjoy. I'll get to show my 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 my, my golfing abilities, kind of impress you a little bit. So have a lot of fun, right? Well, we go and Betty shoots like a 76. Now, if you know golf, I mean, that's like really good, right? Like she, she scored 20 strokes better than me. And, and she's a great mom, but she raised four boys. And so by nature, she's not one of those hyper compassionate, like, Hey, great job. You tried hard. She's like, I just killed you. I mean, that's kind of embarrassing, isn't it? I mean, she's kind of a trash talker. She loves to kind of rub things in. She has to be strong. She had like four brothers or something like that and four, and, and four sons. I mean, she was like tough, right? And so she just rubbed it in. So, and I'm not, and, I, and it was fun. It's all in good fun, right? You know what I'm getting? It's all in good fun. Competition's a lot better, a lot more fun, and people are kind of going at it. And so, 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 I, so we get done. We're sitting in the golf cart, and I said, "Well, what else do you do? Like, what other sports do you play? Because, like, let's keep this competition thing going." And she's like, well, "I'm a bowler." I said, "You're a bowler?" She's like, "I'm a bowler. I was in a league for years. I have my own ball. I have my own shoes. I could probably beat you. In fact, I know I can." And I said. All right. Well, so two weeks later, I called my dad and said, hey, let's meet. Let's meet. Let's meet someone night and with like y'all come and bring her like bring her sons and stuff. And let's get together and let's hang out and we can get to know one another better. And then we can go bowling. Right. So we get together for dinner and we're doing dinner. And I'm thinking it's going to be a dinner time when we go bowling. Well, she gets in and immediately she's like, well, you know, my bowler. I'm like, I, I, yes, we're ordering. She's like, yeah, I'm really good. I, you know, I was in the league. I said, you told me. I said, I have my own ball. Like, yes. And my own shoes. Yes. She's like, yeah, I'm going to beat you. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Right. So inside, I'm probably I'm thinking to myself, she's probably going to. Right. But I got to I got to put on a good face. So I'm like, well, I don't know. I'm pretty good. She's like, well, what are you average bowling? I said, I don't know. What are you average? Right. And we're having this whole back and forth thing. So we go to the bowling alley. 
And like, I mean, she seriously comes in with her bag, right? And I'm like going around mixing match shoes. And I'm like, how strong do I feel? Something like an 11 or a 14? Like, I have no idea what kind of size bowl I bowl with, right? And like, this is going to be crazy. And so we get there. She starts off and she goes, right, here's the deal, Steve. She goes, I, my, my first game, I'm not very good, right? First game's kind of my warm-up game, you know, so I don't expect to win. But like my second game, that's where I shine. And I'm like, okay. So, so she's like, so get it. She's talking a big game. She's talking the big game. You get it, right? You've been around people like, like Betty, right? They talk a big game. Everything's a big game, right? So we go out there and, and I, and I'm not going to lie. Like I'm doing my best job to not be nervous. I really am. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is going to be so embarrassing. She like killed me in golf, right? It's going to kill me in bowling. So you go to the first game and in the first game I win. Like she bowled like a 117. I bowled like a 124. I didn't tell her that was about my average, right? And so I'm like, oh my gosh, like that's as best, that's as good as I got, right? The second game, she's about to just like make it happen. And so in the moment, here's the point. This is the phrase I want you to hear me say, okay? In the second game, we get to figure out if she will walk the talk, right? You know, that, you know that phrase. Is she in this moment going to be able to walk the talk of saying that she's an incredible bowler and she's going to beat me in the second game? So we go out. She goes first. She bowls. She gets a spare first frame. That's a good start, right? I go out. Every blind squirrel finds an anchor every now and then. I get a strike, right? Like, that's just a good start for me, right? She comes in, she bowls a nine. Like, that wasn't what she preferred, but it's okay. She can work with the nine. I come in, I bowl a strike. She's like, she's a little bit like in that. She's like, all right, all right, all right, right? She comes in. Well, I think I'm in her head a little bit now because I'm talking a little smack myself now. I'm just saying, right? She comes in and bowls a seven. I go turkey, bowl another strike, three strikes in a row. Let me just say this. By the end of the game, she did not break 100, and I bowled 247. Oh, drop mic, all right? Drop the mic, walk off. Let me just say this, right? She could not walk the talk. And we bring it up at family events, I'm just saying, Okay. It's the moment. Now, here's the thing. I want you. This is obviously a funny story. And I hope my dad goes home and tells Betty this, and she's going to call me. Right? It's going to be great. But here's the point. We live in life. This is a funny story. But the idea is that in the context of life, we are around people all the time who talk and they talk and they have the shoes and they have the ball, bowling ball. They have all this stuff. But the idea is in the context of life, do they actually take what they're talking about, what they say they believe, and then do they actually walk it out? Like, how many of you know people who are not sitting here today because there are people that they call hypocrites who name the name Jesus because they don't walk what they talk? And so we talk in this moment about Ephesians. What I want to say this morning is we're going to lay this foundation. I'm going to kind of give you the meta narrative, which means this means this big story kind of overarchingly of what Paul is trying to get at in the book of Ephesians. And this morning, I'm going to lay out just kind of one foundation that we're going to launch from for the upcoming weeks and months. But I want to do these two things. I want you to understand the big picture, because in understanding the big picture, what happens when you read Ephesians now? You have a filter that gives you understanding about what Paul's trying to get at. Because I don't know about you, but I read scripture sometimes. I'm like, what in the heck is he saying? Right? Like, I do that all the time. Like, man, I don't quite understand. But I want to give you kind of a big picture that will help you as you read through Ephesians yourself in the upcoming weeks to give you an understanding of what Paul ultimately is trying to do, okay? So we kind of give this big picture. And then I'm going to lay out the first foundation we're going to build off of, which is can be found in chapter 4, verse 1 of Ephesians. And the thing that I want you to begin with is this. When you read through Ephesians, I want you to recognize it is intentionally broken up into two parts. 
chapter 1 through 3, is a very clear first part. He ends his thoughts, and then he's going to dive into the second half, chapter 4 through chapter 6. Okay? There are two sides of what's happening here in the context of Ephesians. So let's begin by looking at the big picture, right? With a very, very simple breakdown to, to help you as you read to understand what Paul's trying to get at. So, again, looking back at the story of Betty, chapters 1 through 3, they speak to the talk. When you read chapters 1 through 3, it's speaking to the talk, right? The first three chapters are about doctrine. They're about beliefs. They're about right beliefs. They're about saying the right thing, knowing the right stuff. This talks about knowing the stuff, right? The first three chapters of Ephesians is Paul coming and speaking doctrine, right belief, what we are supposed to believe in the context of our life, right? He's coming in these chapters and he's talking about, he's talking about the nature of the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. God's movement in our lives, salvation by grace. You couldn't make it happen in your own strength. You couldn't work and do something to make salvation happen. God did the work of bringing salvation, but he didn't just leave us empty. Now, he filled us with his spirit to empower us to then do the things that he's called us to do. So the idea is he's, he's coming over here to give us the talk, the right belief and the doctrine, to then empower us to then walk the walk. That's this beautiful piece. So Ephesians chapter 3 is the last two verses of, of, of this first section. What we see is Paul kind of summing up the first three chapters by saying this. Now, let's come to this point. Now, he said all of these things. Let me sum it up here. Now, to him, Jesus, who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power, does the work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. So what he's coming in the moment saying, all right, let's talk about Jesus for a second. It's in Jesus. He is the one who can do things that you can't even dream or imagine. Only he can make those things happen. Only the power of Jesus enables us to make these things happen. Only Jesus can do it. How according? It's because of his power. That he's given us that's at work within us. And we're just going to praise him for it because that's what he does. So Ephesians chapter 1 through 3 is all about right doctrine, right belief, a foundation of understanding. You didn't save yourself. Only he could. He's going to cut all the things he's calling us to do. You can't make happen in your own strength. It requires Jesus. And so then a foundation is that it's something we always return to and we always remember. We can never walk the walk unless we have the belief structure and the doctrine and the understanding of who Jesus is that only he can save and only he can empower because you can't do anything great in your own strength. And that fills me with hope. Oh, it's Jesus' strength in me. What does it make me do? It means I'm always returning. I can't. Only you can. That's the point. We're always returning every day in the context of our doing to remember you can't. It's a gift from Jesus to not enable you to do the things in your own strength. Why? Because it makes you require, it makes you require Jesus. And he always wants you to come back to him. Hey, I'm the source of everything that you need. So let me go ahead and just lay it out there. I'm going to call you to do some stuff. But remember, only I can empower you to make it happen. So always return to me every day. It's a gift to cause us to return 
to Jesus, to him, who, to him only, who can do immeasurably more than all we can ask or seek. So the first three chapters, it's about right thinking. It's about right theology, a doctrine of God and how he enables and empowers us and how we can do anything of king. We can't do anything of kingdom importance apart from his strength. So that's what we studied for like 10 or 11 weeks in our small groups. And so I just gave it to you for free. It's real simple. You could say, I can't do anything, only Jesus can, so I need to lean into my salvation every day and recognize it's his spirit that empowers me. That's Ephesians 1 through 3. It's fantastic. So we had this as our foundation. It's important in laying this foundation because then Paul turns the page in chapter 4 and he moves from talk to 247, amen, right? He moves to the walk. He moves to the walk. He moves from talk to walk. In verse 1 of Ephesians 4, it says this. Paul, as a prisoner for the Lord, like I belong to him. I'm speaking on his behalf. As a prisoner for the Lord's will, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. That's the NIV, right? As, the, as a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. In fact, it's interesting to note in both the ESV and the NAS, the English Standard Version and the New American Standard, it says to walk in a manner worthy of the calling that you have received. I love that because Paul Paul says, all right, we've talked about these things over here in God's work. Now it's really important how you walk. Your walk is priority. Your walk is imperative in the context of your spiritual life. What you're actually doing matters. What you're actually doing matters, right? So the idea of walk speaks to actually expressing with our life what we say we believe in our minds, what we actually speak with our talk, right? We talk the talk. We walk the talk. We back it up with our lifestyle, We actually do what we say that we believe. Our right belief then should give way to right action. What you believe should actually lead you to action. Right belief must lead to right action. It's important to note that verse 1, it literally acts like a hinge, like a hinge verse. You all understand how hinges work, right? This door back here is on a hinge. So if I'm on this side of the door to get to the other side, what I do? I have to open the door to get to the other side. It's like a hinge, on the hinge, right? So chapters 1 through 3 brings me to the door. Verse 1 is the door that I open to get to the other side, to what Jesus, what God's about to call us into in chapter 4 through 6 through Paul's writing. And so the hinge verse is that. It acts as the turning of the page from one thought, chapters 1 through 3, to the next thought, and the primary word that informs the upcoming chapters is the word worthy. The primary word that informs what we're about to read is the word worthy. This one word literally speaks of volumes about the expectation and responsibility that we have to walk our talk. So let me just press pause real quick. Pay attention, please. Right, look up here. When we talk about walking a talk, it should immediately get you thinking. 
There is nothing worse than listening to someone speak and never actually engaging with your life what they're saying. What a waste of time, right? Like it should literally make you, it should cause you to think, not in judgment of like, well, is he saying, what is he saying, is it right? No, to say, God, what are you trying to teach me in the moment to change my life? So when I say the phrase in the spiritual context of walking the talk, it should literally cause you, not with guilt and condemnation, but in honesty, just to say, well, am I? Like in the context of my life, am I? Is there a level of hypocrisy to me? God, I want to know. I want to know. We love performance reviews, don't we? Because we've been sucking at something and we shouldn't anymore. Right? And so in this, like, God, thank you. I just want to know. What do I need to be doing? I don't want to be terrible at this anymore. I, I want to walk the talk. And so this word worthy, it comes from the Greek word axios. The Greek word axios, which means to weigh, strictly speaking, it means bringing up the other beam of the scales, axios, which means literally, this, literally, strictly, bringing up the other beam of the scales. We all have seen a balance scale. You can look at here on the screen. Dan's going to pull it up. Like, you've all seen these scales in your life, right? Right here, these are equal weights, so they're even. And so the word axios is the scale. So in chapters 1 through 3, right doctrine, right belief, right thinking, right knowledge, boom. Here we go. Fantastic. You've got the right thinking. you got the balance. you got the scale, right? You know what happens. You put something on one side and it goes down. You've all done it. It's fun. As kids, you love these things. Boom. Look at that. Oh, here we go, right? So we have a scale. So 1 through 3, yes, right thinking is imperative. It's priority. It's one side of the scale but living a life worthy says we have a responsibility then to take the scale and make it equal. Worthy. Live a life worthy. Bringing up the other side of the scale with the actions of my life equaling what I say I believe, my right doctrine, my theology, my right beliefs around God. It's a beautiful piece. I'm not, not trying to earn something. We're going to talk about this in a second. I'm not trying to earn something from God. I'm not trying to prove my worth to Him and my value. No. It's like, God, I have right thinking. Well, I just want to have right actions to coincide with it. And so we should begin thinking, my gosh, God, I, man, I, I, I probably need to be thinking about these things, right? That's axios, this idea, these two sides and bringing it up to equal proportion. Here in verse 1, Paul is making it clear that in our lives we must bring up the other side of the scale by right action, a doing that simply keeps in line with what we say we believe. David De Silva, he's a New Testament theologian. I love his book. It's called, it's called uh, this is the New Testament. He says this about these verses. He says, Theology, what are our belief structure about God? Theology is always transformative in the New Testament and not merely speculative, right? It transforms. It's not just for the mind, right? That's why Paul uses the language of walking, he says, speaking about walking out what they say they believe. His intention, his attention to practical detail in this letter serves as an eloquent reminder to the church that the Christian confession, the Christian faith, is less a matter of lips and more a matter of legs. I love that. It's less a matter of lips and more a matter of legs. Have you ever read the book of James? 
faith in actions. Faith without works is what? It's dead. Faith without just the mental ascension to facts about who Jesus is, that's only one half of the scale. Faith without action, faith without works, faith without right doing, faith, listen, it leads to me to keep it, listen, literally in action, doing what I say that I believe, that's what it means. That's what it means to be a follower of Christ. Therefore, foundation one, hear this, write this down, this is your foundation one. So that's kind of doing your overarching big picture, okay? Now we're shifting you're mentally shifting now to your foundation number one that we're building off of. This is going to inform the rest of your reading for the book of Ephesians, the letter of Ephesians. Foundation number one is this. Live a life worthy. That's it. That's the foundation. You are aware. You're thinking through. You're thinking about. You are highly sensitive and aware to your life that you are living life worthy. Or you're walking in a manner worthy that we are walking the talk. With this in mind, here are a few keys to keep in mind when processing this word worthy. Let me just press pause. So I say worthy, and some of you go back to like junior high, like your youth group, when your whole faith, right, the whole idea of faith revolved around not drinking, not smoking, not listening to rock and roll, Especially the songs backwards, oh my gosh, right? And not having sex. And if you don't do those things, you're a great Christian. And so we live life with this like expectation that faith and our Christian life is more about what we're not doing than anything we're doing with Jesus, right? And so in that, you had to prove yourself worthy. Like, I'm a good Christian, I promise, look what I didn't do. Do you see the backward thinking in that? I'm going to be a good son to Terry as I grow up by not doing bad things. He's like, no, let's just go fishing together. Let's just watch Georgia football together. Let's just hang out. That's what I want to do together. That's okay. The things you're not doing, that's great. But I want to do things with you. And so what we get at here is this. Number one, worthy is not about proving ourselves or earning something. Worthy is not about proving ourselves. Oh, God, I'm going to do these things to make you like me. I'm not trying to prove my worth or my gain or gain value in the eyes of God, right? Instead, it is speaking about intention. It's speaking about motivation where we can say confidently, all right, in the same way that God has given his all, in response as an act of love, I in turn am giving my all. Jesus gave all, I will give my all. Jesus gave something of incredible worth and a value in his life. His life, lie in turn, will give something of worth and a value back to him. My life. That's the idea of worth. I'm taking, I'm, listen, I'm taking my life and saying, hey, you've done this. In response, I'm going to do the same. Something of worth, right? Something of value. What I, it's this idea of who I am. I'm giving it all back to you. I'm not earning, I'm not proving value. Just an expression of giving in the same way that I've received. The second thing, worthy, we've already said this, it's dependent on chapters one through three. Remember, Paul built the foundation of the whole of the Spirit's empowerment in our lives, right? We can't live or walk worthy. We can't walk the talk in our own strength. It requires God's Spirit enabling. So every day, Jesus would expect us to say, I can't do that. 
can't make that happen. I can't cause this response. I can't do anything. I need you. Ephesians 1 through 3. So when you get in Ephesians 4 through 6, it's going to give you lots of lists. Things you should do, things you shouldn't do. Romans, excuse me, Acts, excuse me, uh, Ephesians 6, and get into like, even like the thing you're doing of putting on the armor of God, like a responsibility that you have, right? There's all these things you're doing and not doing. And when you read 4 through 6, you have a voice over here the entire time saying, just remember you can't do this in your own strength. Just remember you can't do this in your own strength. Just remember you can't make this happen in your own strength. You need me. You need me. Lean into me. All these things, yes, we can do and not do because my spirit's in power, but you've got to continue to lean into me, continue to trust me, continue to recognize my spirit empowers. So every day you should say, I can't. God, thank you that you can. That's what we're getting at. Every day. The third thing worthy speaks to intentionality. It, were, it speaks to responsibility and choice. I love, Paul says, I urge you. I urge you. I just said a second ago, I want to encourage each of you to sign up for a small group. Can I make you do it? No. But I want to encourage you because you have a choice. You have a responsibility of choice in the moment for these groups. Here he's saying, I want to encourage, I want to urge you. You have a responsibility. You have a choice to make in the moment, right? Belief must always give way to behavior. What you say you believe must always give way to behavior. This idea, I have a choice in this moment. I either live for Jesus or I don't. There's a choice. I urge you to do this. I know you may not, but I want to urge you to do it. I urge you to live a life where they urge you to remember he's empowered you. I want to urge you then, empowered to live a life that's in keeping with what you say you believe. And the fourth thing about worthy is this. It's spoken here in light of our relationship with others. Worthy is spoken in light of our relationship with others. Paul continues his expression of worthy in the worthy life in verses 2 and 3. He says this, be completely humble and gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. Remember, he just said, live a life worthy of the calling you've received in Christ. Now, be completely patient and gentle, right? Be, me, be humble and gentle, be patient, bearing with one another. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit of the bond of peace. What I want you to simply see is this. He says, live a life worthy, but he puts it specifically not into the context of our relationship with Jesus, but our relationship with one another. One of the primary themes and one of the primary foundations for us, second, the second foundation we'll look at next week, is the second foundation is we live a life worthy, and the second one is the unity of the Spirit. Unity of the Spirit, that we are unified is one body, right? That understanding our need for togetherness, that we are strong, listen, pay attention please, that we are stronger together than we are apart. Like I love that he says, man, live a life, walk, walk in a manner worthy of the calling that you've received as you are living patient and kind and loving in the context of building the body of Christ. There's no Lone Ranger Christianity. That's not biblical. Christianity is Christianity only in the context of how we do life together. And so he's saying, man, keep, listen, come, 
live a life worthy, empowered, but a primary piece of this is specifically how you're building up the body, how you were encouraging one another, how you were living and loving one another, because they will know that you are Christians by the way that you love one another, according to Jesus. So we live in this context of questioning my walking the talk. That just that just get saved from hell so I can go to heaven. But I get saved so I can live for Jesus and honor him every day by him giving his life to me so I can live a life worthy now giving my life to him. Not because I have to, but because I just love to give him myself. And we do that by loving Jesus and by living with the spirit of unity that we are going after and loving one another. We'll talk more about this in weeks to come, but that's the foundation. So let me invite the worship team to come. This morning, I know, again, it's more just like informational stuff. I didn't give some major emotional plea that's pulling your heartstrings that makes you want to respond to Jesus. All I've done this morning is I've laid out scripture and said, are you walking the talk? Holy Spirit can do a beautiful job of just letting you know. That's his job, right? And this morning, I want to invite you. I want to invite you to let him, to let him speak into the moment. I want to... I want to quote unquote dare you to let him be honest with you I want to encourage you to say alright Jesus examine my life examine me Jesus examine me and show God the things that I say I believe am I walking am I living a life worthy I'm not trying to earn something but I'm just matching with my actions what I say I believe and if not this is just a great morning to make that shift. It doesn't be something like dramatic, like on the floor in tears. It can be like, this, Jesus, I commit today to begin living for you. I thank you that you already love me. We make that shift. So as we come into worship, we're going to respond as we always do. We have offering baskets here. That's simply for those who are part of the vintage family. They just want to come and worship through their financial gift to the Lord. We have communion available every Sunday. We just have a formal line right here. Just invite you to come. And again, as we take communion, it's just remembering the work of Jesus, remembering his salvation. Right, and we take, and we don't just remember something in history. We thank you that it's real and alive and moving in our lives today. And we have ministry teams that'll be available on both sides, and they simply just want to pray for you. Anything going on in your life, whether it's healing, whether it's just areas of brokenness, or maybe you just want prayer, saying I just need help to focus on Jesus and begin to actually walk what I say. That I believe. let me pray for us.